figure it out. But Proverbs chapter number four, if you're glad you're saved tonight, say amen. 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 The Bible says, hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake you not my law. For I was with my father's son tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, he's talking about wisdom, and she shall preserve thee. Love her and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. Not talent, not ability, not even education, but get wisdom. There's only one source of real wisdom, that's God tonight. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. She shall bring to thee honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this evening. Lord, I want to say, Lord, I love you tonight. I'm grateful, God, for what you're doing. Lord, not just in my life, but Lord, in the hearts and lives of your people that are here tonight. Lord, what a blessing it is, Lord, to show up on a Wednesday night. Lord, there's a lot that we could complain about, Lord. There's a lot that we could uh, nag about, God, and, and, and vent our frustrations about, Lord. But, Lord, we've gathered around tonight, Lord, and all we've done is praise your name. Lord, we've thanked you for being God in our life. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for showing up at just the right time and reminding us of great truths that help us to make it through our everyday life. Lord, I'm so thankful tonight, God, Lord, you love me in that fashion, in that form. Uh, Lord, you could easily, Lord, do away with me, God, and have nothing to do with me. But, Lord, you love me so much, God, even in the small affairs of life, Lord, you're willing to show yourself faithful to us. And I pray, Lord, tonight that we just, Lord, get it settled in our heart. In the middle of all of it, there's the Lord. And we ask you, Lord, tonight to help us to recognize you. Lord, help us, Lord, to discern your moving and your work in our life. For, Lord, the more that we notice that you do, God, the more our heart will be grateful. We ask you tonight, God, you take the word of God. Lord, you help us with, this, with it this evening. God, would you hide behind the cross of Calvary, God, and help me, Lord, to preach the word of God with boldness and the power of the Holy Spirit tonight. We ask you, Lord, tonight that you help us live different the way we walked in tonight. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. If we open up chapter number four, and here's Solomon again. He's... He's talking, he's been talking to my son and, or, and to his son in a few of the chapters prior to this. But now he says, your children. In essence, he said, this isn't just good for one of my boys. This is good for all of them. Y'all need to listen to me. But in how he introduces this chapter and how, how he, this next portion, it reminded me of something that my dad would sometimes say to me and maybe somebody said to you, and it goes along these lines. You would probably be complaining about something or you'd be doing something, and they'd say, well, back in my day, Y'all ever heard somebody say that to you or, or, or done that to you? And oftentimes there's, it's tied to an exaggeration. They'd say things like, back in my day, I didn't have it as easy as y'all have it today. Back in my day, I had to walk uphill both ways to school in the snow in July. Right? That's a bit of an exaggeration. And I think, where did you live? Siberia? It was snowing in July. <laughs> That's terrible. But I remember my, my dad would say things like this, and now I, you know, I, I'm a father now, and I find myself trying to, and sometimes even saying the very same thing to my kids. Well, back in my day, we didn't have YouTube and Netflix and, and all those other streamings. Back in my day, if you missed the episode, you had to wait a whole nother week to figure out what was going on. 
<laughs> we're struggling, amen, we're struggling. Hard life. But I remember one time I was growing up and my dad, I was in there playing video games and my dad, he bought them for us, but he never wanted us to play them. And I, we were in there playing them and we were having a, a <laughs> I was in there playing. He said, son, you know, there's more to life than video games. You, you, do you really find enjoyment in this? I'm thinking, yes, dad, I'm fixing to win the World Series again for the 12th time today. This is wonderful. He said, well, when I was a kid, we didn't have video games. He said, you know what, what I used to do for fun growing up? I said, what did you do, Dad? He said, I'd get on the horse, and I'd ride that horse through the cornfield with my brothers, and we'd play Planet of the Apes. I said, well, Dad, that's wonderful, but one, we don't have a cornfield. Two, we don't have a horse. And three, I have no idea what the Planet of the Apes are. I should have never said that. Because my dad took the joy and the, the wonder of introducing me to not, to not the new Planet of the Apes, but the old 1960s, 70s Planet of the Apes. It was terrible. <laughs> but he said, back in my day, that's what we used to have for fun. And here Solomon is talking to his children and he's saying, back in my day, when I was your age, when I was coming up like you were, when I was growing up in the house of the king of Israel, he said, there were some things that my father taught me and he told me and I have yet to find out that they are, I've yet to, to see that they're not true. In essence, what Solomon was saying, yes, God has given me great wisdom because I asked for it, but at the same time, God was giving it to me long before I ever asked for it. He said, I had a daddy who was willing to teach me some things about wisdom, and I'll tell you tonight, my introduction's far much longer than my points tonight. Anytime a preacher says it, that just means he's gonna preach for a long time, amen. Notice here, there's some quick truths Solomon learned about back in his day. One, he need, you need to listen for attention, or excuse me, listen for wisdom. Look what he says, hear ye children the instruction of your father and attend to no understanding. That word attend gives the picture of someone's ears being perked up. And in essence, they're not hoping it just accidentally falls in their ears, but rather their ears are tuned and focused into what they, they need or what they are actually listening to. I remember growing up and hearing teachers say it all the time, and people say, oh, I need your undivided attention. And I think, what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? In essence, you are paying attention on purpose. Your ears are open to it. Solomon's telling us, listen, you gotta, you gotta listen for wisdom. It's not just gonna plop you right in the forehead. He's saying you gotta listen for it. God has a book full of it. He has a means of getting it to you and I tonight, but we have to be listening to it. And so he said, listen for wisdom. Then he said, it's good advice. Look at verse number two. For I give you good doctrine. Right, forsake you not my law. Here's what Solomon said. What I'm telling you isn't just something that sounds good. He, he's not trying to take you back down memory lane and relive his past because he has nothing else better to do. But rather he was teaching them and teaching us tonight that what he's giving to us is doctrine. Doctrine's what you build your life on. Doctrine's what you build your relationship on. Doctrine is truth tonight. And here we know tonight, he's saying, listen, when you get wisdom and God gives you wisdom, there is nothing better in this world to build your life life on than God's wisdom. He said, it's good advice. It's, you need to listen for wisdom. It's, it's a proven record. Look at verse number three. He goes on to say, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. 
Now tonight we know that Solomon's father was David and, and I'm not going to stand behind the pulpit tonight and tell you David was a perfect man. David himself would not even ascribe to that, that he was a perfect man. But somewhere along the line, and, and we understand that even Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, we know the story tonight. We know what happened between David and Bathsheba. But you have to realize by the time Solomon is born and is brought into this world, all that has been dealt with, all that has been repented of, all that is in the past, and David moves on for the glory of God. And we see here tonight that Solomon said, what I've learned from watching my dad, one, he wasn't perfect, but he was willing when, he, and when wisdom was given to him by God, he lived by it. And what do you mean by that, preacher? It has a proven record. See, David was perfect, but when you read the Bible, every other king after David, their, their, their reign and their, their, their work and their life is measured up to David. It'll say along these lines, and they followed not in the paths of David their father. Right, and so David has a proven record that when you take God's wisdom, you apply it and you live by it, it changes the ball game. It changes literally your life entirely and it allows you to do things that you cannot do by yourself. And, though he, and then he gives some simple instruction in verse number five, verse number six. He said, listen, this is what I experienced when I was a young boy. This was the home that I was brought up in. This is what my daddy taught me, and it's good, and it works. And then he goes into verse number five, and what does he say? He says, get wisdom. Right? He said, listen, I enjoyed it. I've got it. God has given it to me, and I'm going to do my best to give it to you. He said, but children, sooner or later, you're going to have to learn on your own, and without my help and without my prodding and my teaching and my leading, you're going to have to get wisdom for yourself. There's going to come a time in your Christian life tonight that the preacher ain't going to be able to give it to you. The Sunday school teacher ain't going to have the answer for you. Right? The, 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 the person that you watch and you listen to all the time, they're not going to have it. You have to learn to get wisdom yourself. Now, you have to understand tonight when you read that phrase, get wisdom, right? We think, how do you get wisdom? We put your nose in a book and you study and you study and you study and you read and you read and you get wisdom. Now, no doubt tonight you can get wisdom by reading after somebody, but that word, that phrase, get wisdom, doesn't speak of necessarily studying something or reading something, but rather it gives an understanding of a commercial exchange or I, I, I'm willing to pay a price to receive something. Right, I'm willing to pay a price to receive something. It, it's a commercial exchange. So you have to ask yourselves, when, I, when I'm desiring wisdom, how much am I willing to pay in order to get it? And oftentimes the first thing, I, when we say the word pay, we go to money, right? And I remember it, it, it completely changed my mentality about books and about reading after people and, and, and I, cause I was this way, I thought, man, if a book costs more than $20, it ain't worth reading. And a, a pastor told me one time, he said, you got, what you have to realize is that author has poured their whole life or a portion of their life into this book, into this study. He said $20 isn't that bad when you think about what's been invested into it. And so tonight, yes, we, we need to get with how much we're willing to, to pay for. What about time? of prayer? What about time of study? What about effort going beyond the normal tonight? If I'm going to get wisdom, I have to have us ask myself, how much am I going to pay? How much am I willing to pay to get wisdom? Well, preacher, doesn't the Bible say in James that we just got to ask God and God's just going to take it like a Frisbee and toss it to us like that? Well, he does give it freely. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back from us tonight. 
And I believe tonight that there's a lot of wisdom that we have yet to receive, not because God isn't willing to give it to us. It's because we haven't done what is required and what is asked of us to actually receive it and then apply it in our life. Notice he says, get wisdom. Then he says in verse number seven, get the right thing. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. With all thy getting, get understanding. Here's the thing. Wisdom without understanding is knowledge without purpose. <laughs> I was in high school. I was part of an a, a, a academic team for the ROTC program. They put me in a room with books about naval history, books about naval ranks, books about anything about the Navy. And they said, listen, you don't go into regular class. You don't go out there and learn how to march. You don't go out there and do a PT. You sit in this book and you read it. You read and you read and you read and you read. Matter of fact, Chief Scott said, a head that size on any human being ought to be able to hold something in it. And so then I would go and I would read those books day after day after day. And when it came time to play Jeopardy, I was a force to be reckoned with. I knew the answer. And I, I would buzz in, I'd buzz in. I can't tell you how many times we'd go to these meets and, and, and we would just one after another, after another as a freshman because they put me in a room with a book and told me not to do anything else but read it and remember it. And I'd go in and we'd answer and answer and they would say, where in the world did you get that young man from? Right? They, they absolutely loved my big head in ROTC. But can I say a lot of what I learned has no practical application in real life? The fact that I know the British built the first aircraft carrier in World War I has yet to impact me in a great way tonight. Hasn't changed my life in any way. <laughs> the fact that I, I know this, this, I wouldn't say it's useless, but it's not useful in a lot of things. The fact that I know that John Paul Jones was the one when his boat was sinking, looked over at the British Navy and said, I have yet to begun to fight. Right? That's wonderful, but it doesn't help nothing. And there's a lot of Christians, right? They have a lot of biblical knowledge. They can quote the verses. They can win the sword drills, right? They, 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 they can recite from Genesis to Revelation in order, and they can do it quickly. And there's nothing wrong with that, but if all we know how to do is quote verses, and all we know how to do is put things in order tonight, and we don't know how they apply to our life, we've got wisdom per se, but we don't have understanding. And here Solomon says, listen, wisdom's a principal thing. Get wisdom, but then also get understanding. Learn how that wisdom applies in your life. Then finally tonight, here's my three points. We've made it through the introduction. Finally, we're told three things to do with wisdom. Three simple commands, three simple instructions that are important, not because they're just in the word of God, but each one of these instructions has a result that is tied to it. In essence, if you do this, this is the expectation. This is the expected reward or result that you'll have from it tonight. Notice, number one, tonight, the first thing we're told to do with wisdom here in Proverbs chapter number four is to love wisdom. Look down at verse number six. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Now, that word love means to have affection for, right? To, to be compassionate towards something or someone in essence tonight, you and I can tell what we really love or what somebody really loves, not by just what they say, but what they do, right? How do we know God loves us, right? Well, we go to John 3, 16. God expresses his love towards us. It's stated to us, for God so loved the world, right? It's stated there. God Almighty said, listen, I love the world. 
Now we know in God there's no variance of turning. There's, there's, there's no, uh, he cannot lie. And so when he says these things, we know that to be true. But God says, not only am I going to tell you that I love the world, I'm fixing to show you how I love the world. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life tonight. So there's a statement for God to love the world. But then there is an expressed love. There's a shown love. Right in essence tonight, that's why uh, when it comes, the, the, it, it's, not a, it's not a preacher's volume and it's not a preacher's mechanics. It's not even the music that I think really ought to be what convicts people. But it's when they realize that a God loves that God loves them so much that he was willing to hang himself on a tree and die for their sins. That's the most convicting thing this world has ever known. And we see it or not, when, when, it, when, we, when, we, seek, when we say, I love wisdom, we ought to make sure it's not just lip service. But rather, it ought to be a shown affection, an application of love. There are many Christians who say, I love wisdom, I want wisdom. But they're missing the showing aspect. They neglect the avenues that God has given them to gain wisdom. Right? They come down an altar or maybe within their heart, they're going through something. And they say, ah, Lord, I need wisdom. And God said, well, here's three ways I'm going to give it to you. Right? I'm going to give it to you through prayer. As you commune with God and as you talk to God, he said, I, I, through prayer, I'll begin to work in your heart and give you the wisdom you need. Then through the word of God tonight, right? It makes no sense tonight for you and I to have a problem that we need wisdom for and say, God, I need wisdom, and then this thing stays shut. Listen, if this thing is never opened up in your life, when you're pursuing and seeking wisdom, you are not going to find it. Right? You're not just going to drive down the road one day and God's going to say, you know what? I'm going to reform the clouds for them. That's going to give them the answer that they're looking for. God said, no, I've already given them a completed work. This is how God's going to give you the wisdom that you need through prayer, through the word of God, and then through preaching tonight. How shall they hear without a preacher tonight? Right? And so it's one of those things that when I stand behind her, it's not a look at what I'm doing, but rather I realize there is an eternal thing going on here. There's a, there's a spiritual thing going on here. And if I preach what I want to preach, and if I preach how, how I want to preach, and I say what I want to say, I'm going to miss the opportunity to be an instrument of God to give you the wisdom that you need to make it in life. But when we say, I want wisdom, then we neglect those three areas. Right? We can't really say we love wisdom. Here's the thing. He goes on to say, don't just express your desire for it. Engage in the effort to discover it and understand it. Right? Come into church and say, oh, whether through the song service, whether through the reading of the scripture, whether through the preaching of it, God has something for me. God has, has wisdom for me. And it's not just every other service. It's not every now and again. I think if we showed up with the heart saying, Lord, you have something for me right now in this moment that I may not need it right now, but if I write it down, it'll help out in the end. And so we see it tonight that wisdom, you can't, you can't say you love it if you're not willing to engage in the effort to discover and understand it. Well, Rachel, what if I do love it? What if I, what if I pursue after it? What if I, I, I give myself wholly to it and I seek after it, I knock, I do everything Matthew 7 tells me to do and then I find it and I apply it and I, and I, I engage in that effort tonight. Preacher, what's the result? It'll keep thee. It'll keep thee. Look what it says right there in verse number six. It says, love her and she shall keep thee. Right, the word keep means to guard you. It'll guard you, guard you physically, right? It'll keep you from harm's way. 
There's some people out there, right? They're, they're chasing likes. They're chasing followers. They're chasing popularity. And they do things that they know will bring harm to them. They do things they know that, that will cause themselves to be in dangerous situations. And there's nothing wise about that tonight. And the same is true in the Christian's life, right? This book isn't just a spiritual book. It's a, it's a book that helps us in physical life tonight, right? It deals with those things that can help you and I and keep us out of harm's way. It'll guard you physically. It'll guard you emotionally. It'll keep you from hurt feelings, right? It, it, it'll help you understand that when somebody lashes out at you and when somebody is mean to you and somebody is, is rude to you, right? It'll help you understand that really their problem isn't with you. But it's the God that dwells inside of you. And so we see tonight, it'll guard you emotionally, it'll guard you, it'll guard you spiritually. It'll keep you from Satan's snares, right? It'll make you not ignorant of his devices. You'll be able to spot them out from a mile away. Nice try, Slewfoot. But I ain't falling for that one. God's giving me wisdom. I'm not going down that road. I'm not letting that, that temptation entice me. I'm, I'm going for the escape Jesus promised he's given to me. So you have to ask yourself, do I really love wisdom? We say it this way when we was growing up, <laughs> talking about boys and girls. They'd say, well, do you like so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I like them. But do you like like them? Right, you ever heard that, Billy? Do you like like somebody? He shook his head, yes. <laughs> Don't know if he was completely comprehended that. <laughs> right? Do you like like somebody or do you like them? Let me ask you tonight, do you like wisdom or do you like like wisdom? Do you pursue it? Are you engaged in the effort to understand it and apply it in your life? Is your love of wisdom just a desire or is there an action that is tied to it? So one, love wisdom. Number two tonight, exalt wisdom. Exalt wisdom. Look at verse number eight. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. That word exalt means to mound up, to give precedence to something. Imagine in this sense, if you ever watch the Olympics or any kind of sporting competition, there's a podium. Right now, before we, now in 2023, you got to have like 47 places on it so nobody gets their feelings hurt. Back in my day, there was three places, third, second, and first. And how was those things always lined up? Third over here, second right here. First was always in the middle in an elevated position. It was exalted. In essence, tonight, when it comes to, to our lives and us being Christians and God's wisdom, is it, does it take the precedence in our life? Is it in that first place? It is in that place of, of exaltation. Have we exalted it? But notice this, he, he talks about going back to the, the, the instruction to get, what was it, to get wisdom, right? To, that, 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 that speaks of that exchange. Let me ask you now, you ever bragged about something you overpaid for? You ever came into church and said, listen, y'all ain't going to believe this. I was at Walmart, and they were selling, I'm trying to think of something you can buy at Walmart. They were selling eggs. <laughs> y'all ain't going to believe this? I bought them for $7 a dozen. Look at the deal I got. No, right, when we, when we overpay for something, typically we tie an excuse to it or a complaint to it. <laughs> we're at, at the zoo in Columbia, and I went down to the, the soda machine. They were selling water bottles for $4 a piece. Cokes for $5. We're talking 16-ounce bottles for $5 a piece. What would you do, preacher? Oh, I went back to the wagon that I already brought my water bottle into the zoo. <laughs> I was filling it up at every station. 
Ain't, they ain't getting my $4, at least not that way. What'd you do? I went and paid $5 for popcorn. I'm hungry. Right, but you, you, don't, you don't do that. You don't come in and brag about it. Right? You complain. I can't believe they charged $5 for Coke at the zoo. Or I can't believe I had to pay this price. But if you flip that around tonight and you get a good deal on something, but we don't mind telling everybody the deal we got. Listen, right now, eggs are $3.08 at Aldi. How do you know, preacher? We just bought them a couple days ago. But could you imagine if I walked in here and I said, listen, y'all ain't gonna believe this? I found eggs for 27 cents a dozen. That's the price of them back in 2019. Crazy, isn't it? The first thing he said, preacher, where'd you, get, where'd you find them at? <laughs> Tell me the store, preacher, and I'd probably go to every person in the church and say, y'all ain't gonna believe this? I, I, got, a, I got a great deal on something. I, I, I purchased something for far less than what it's actually worth. We have to realize that when it comes to the Christian life, anytime God gives us wisdom and God takes his word and illuminates to us and shows us the reality behind it and we understand it and we can apply it, do you realize tonight that when you sit down and think about the fact that the very God of heaven is willing to help you understand the truth of his word tonight, that it is something that none of us deserve tonight. None of us have earned that. And so when we as Christians exalt wisdom, right, we allow it, we have precedence in our life, we'll walk around. People say, how do you know that? How do you, how come you don't have no fear? How come you're not crazy like everybody else? How come you're not living and, and, and just shocked and all like everybody else is preaching? Because I've got wisdom. I don't deserve none of it, but let me tell you about it. God has been good to me. Not just the fact that he has blessed me with physical blessings, but he's given me some understanding that allows me to get up every day and say, you know what, I don't have to cower in fear. I don't have to live like everybody else. I don't have to have the same mentality because I have wisdom. It's exalted in my life. But what are, what are some things that you gotta deal with? You underpaid on it. None of us have overpaid for the wisdom of God or God's wisdom or life. We got it on a deal a deal called grace. So preacher, what's the result of exalting it? What's the exalt of realizing how great it is and how, 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 how wonderful of a deal it is when God gives us uh, our wisdom, our bragging about how good of a deal it is. How, when we exalt God's wisdom, we brag about how, God, how good God, what's the result of that preacher? It promotes us. Look what it says right there in verse Number seven, wisdom, excuse me, verse number eight, exalt her and she shall promote thee. Exalt her and she shall promote thee. See, this world may not accept godly wisdom, right? They, they may look at us and say the things that we believe and the things that we hold to and the truth that we, we, we know is in God's word tonight, they may not accept those things. But at some point, in some stage, if you continuously exalt it, they'll learn to appreciate it. They'll learn to be great. As far as I know, Potiphar never bowed down to the God of Joseph. But I guarantee you, it was evident that the Lord was with Joseph. Joseph operated in God's wisdom, and Potiphar was grateful for it. He was appreciative of it. This world may not accept godly wisdom for, for themselves, but they will appreciate it in the life of a Christian. They'll appreciate hardworking, humble, honest, compassionate Christians who operate in God's wisdom. How do you know, preacher? Because when everything falls apart, who's the first person they come to? And they'll, they'll say, they'll, they won't say, listen, I need to talk to you because you're wise. 
They'll, they'll phrase like, now listen, I know you're a church going person. I know, I know you read your Bible and you pray and all that. Well, I'm going through some things. Can you help me? Can you help me give us some understanding, some clarity? <laughs> right? They're not going to walk up to you and say, oh, wise servant of God. Right? Nebuchadnezzar's dead. He don't say that no more. <laughs> they'll walk up to you and say, listen, I need help with something. And I, I know I ain't listened to you when you shared the gospel with me. And I know I ain't responded. And I have yet to show up to your invitation to church. There's a man that I used to work with in the cabinet. I'm still waiting for him to come to church. That was five, almost five years ago. And he still hasn't shown up. He promised me he'd be here. Right, but when his life was falling apart, guess who he came to? Me and Brother Mike Andrews. He said, could y'all pray for me? My family's going through some stuff. Let me encourage you tonight, when you exalt wisdom, they may not accept your God, but they will appreciate the wisdom that he's given you if you learn to exalt it. Are you allowing the wisdom that God has given you to graciously be exalted in your life? Love wisdom, exalt wisdom. Number three, and we'll be done tonight, embrace wisdom. Embrace wisdom. TR, come here, bud. And uh, come on, Billy. Y'all, Billy, you come stand right here. TR, come stand up here. Boy, it's, it's tough being a preacher's son. Because you don't ever know what illustration you fix to be used on. <laughs> I literally dropped him in the middle of the lunchroom to teach on Mephibosheth one time. <laughs> just stand right here, bud. His legs are asleep. You got it, bud? All right, stay right there. All right. So look at verse number eight tonight, verse number nine. Right there at the end of verse number eight, it says, uh, and she shall promote thee, she shall bring thee honor uh, when thou dost embrace her. Right, that word embrace means to clasp. It means to hold to. Now, a lot of times I think we view wisdom like a handshake. Right? Tonight, I'm going to handshake Mr. Billy or shake Mr. Billy's hand, right? Now, in, in men's lives, this is a competition. Right? In the business world, this is how I show my dominance over you. I squeeze your hand. I look right in the eyeball. And if I want to, I turn your hand over saying, I'm, I'm dominating you. I'm in control here. Right, but thank you, Mr. Billy. But handshakes, you have a seat there, bud. Handshakes are, you know, everybody does them. TR said, I'm about to get out of here. <laughs> right? It's, it's something everybody does. They shake hands. It's impersonal. It's business-like. It is, it's fleeting, right? If anybody holds your hand for long, more than two, it becomes awkward. Right, more than two seconds. It becomes awkward, doesn't it? Why are you still holding my hand? <laughs> what, what's going on here? Let go of me. Right? But an embrace is not a handshake. Right, there's a big difference between a handshake and embrace. Are you ready to be embraced? Right? This is a handshake. This is an embrace. Right, you hold them. Now, I'm not going to do this to everybody in the church tonight. Right? Right, it's an embrace. You're holding them tight. When you hug somebody, if it lasts more than two seconds, that's okay. Right, depending on the situation and the moment, Right? Sometimes you just need a good hug. You hold on to somebody you long for, you enjoy it, you're grateful for it. It is meant to last more than just a few seconds. Thank you, bud. Right, our, our relationship with wisdom isn't a quick handshake. All right, Lord, here I am. Thank you very much. I'll see you later. But rather, it's an embrace. You hold on to it. I'm not letting go of this. This is great. This is wonderful. This is life-changing. I don't want to let go. I want to hold on to it. I want to embrace it as long as I can. 
And here's the thing tonight, you can't embrace something without being where it is or, or going with it in that sense. Right there, there's, there, there's something about holding on, hugging on to something, holding on to it for dear life. There's that embrace there. You don't just enjoy it momentarily, we hold on to it for the rest of our lives. And here's the thing, one of the, the, the elements of Solomon's uh, record is that later on in his life, he released that embrace of wisdom. How do you know that, preacher? Go read the book of Ecclesiastes. Solomon let go of everything God had given him through wisdom and said, you know what? I'm going to see if there's something more out here. He released that embrace in his life. He was no longer holding strictly to God's wisdom. He said he went and go try everything else. You go read the book of Ecclesiastes. He said he tried everything else. And what did he come to? It's vanity. It's vain. Vanity and vexation. And so tonight, God's wisdom isn't for 10 years of our life. It's not something that is just good for the moment. It is something we need to embrace, embrace for the entirety of our life tonight. To hold on to. To not let go of. Well, preacher, if I embrace wisdom, I don't let go of it. I hold on to it. I apply it. I understand it. I live it. Preacher, what's the result of that? Look what it says in verse number 9. Embraced wisdom shall give to thine head an ornament of grace. Right, an ornament of grace tonight. Well, what does that mean, preacher? One of the, uh, let's see, what, I'm trying to find it. Uh, blah, blah, anything besides wisdom's vanity. When we embrace wisdom, it's a testimony of grace. Right, when you, when you live by God's wisdom, you understand that God gave it to you. And everywhere you go, when you walk in wisdom, right, you are expressing and showing to everybody around you, grace has made a difference in my life. How did you get in touch with wisdom? It's through the grace of God. And when you embrace wisdom, you hold on to it, you, you follow it. Everybody see the grace of God in your life. It's an ornament of grace, a testimony of grace. But notice this is also a crown of glory, what it says right in verse number nine. A crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. Who? Wisdom, godly wisdom. Well, preacher, what is a crown of glory? It's an accomplished goal. How many of you want to do the will of God for your life? It takes wisdom. How do you accomplish the will of God in your life? Wisdom. Right? It's not, it's not education. It's not ability. It's not even grit or gall. It is taking and holding on to God's wisdom. And saying, Lord, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it your way. And I'm not going to handshake you for a few moments. Lord, I'm going to hold on to you. And Lord, I'm going to hold on to your wisdom because I want a crown of glory. I want to receive a reward that I can cast back down at your feet tonight. And that takes embracing wisdom. It takes embracing wisdom. Would you say your relationship with wisdom is more of a handshake than an embrace tonight? We're to love wisdom. We're to exalt wisdom. We're to embrace wisdom tonight. Let me ask you, are you going to do these things that Solomon has instructed us to do with wisdom tonight? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father.